Welcome to our campaign, set in the galvanizing world of Electroval. Join us for an adventure full of noir intrigue and electrifying spectacle. See the description below for ways that you can stay informed on the latest episode of the series, as well as any other content featured on Dice Carnival. This episode of Dice Carnival is sponsored by C4 Labs, proud vendors of free shipping in the United States. Now available is the Hugo Dice Tray with the utility of compartments for all of your dice, plus the flaming pizzazz of the man himself. Additionally, at checkout, you can type in Dice Carnival with no spaces or caps to get 10% off your whole order. So if you want to support your local musician, or just find great products for your D&D games, head to c4labs.com. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a good rating if you enjoy the episode. Without further ado, let's begin! Electrovol, a city of a million burning bulbs. These lights that bustle live lives of various complexion. Some small, some grand. And sometimes these bulbs burn out. Just as one has as we see a scarf caught in the wind beneath the Electroval eye. A large ferris wheel resting above the Starlight District. As we see it spin down and down and down like a serpent above a dark form on the cobbles below as crowds gather. But sometimes, lights flicker and stutter, and have had not yet had a chance to meet their end. Not far away in the city, on a different tier, however, we hear a crashing gunshot. Sounds of grocery bags hitting the ground as Hugo is tossed over the railing, having intervened and caught the bullet with his body that was going to strike the inventor. Sky 2 goes to react and pulls the inventor out of the way, but not before seeing Hugo fly over the railing and tumble out of sight. Soup watches from afar as Gindan is otherwise occupied. Standing up, the inventor tries to shake you off, Ariel. Sky. Um. Do you let go of him? Let go of him? Yeah. You 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 basically had had an opportunity to basically grab him and try to pull him out of the way of the bullet. I'm sorry, I, you... I'm not entirely sure. I thought I understood what was going on, but I don't think I do. Okay. So as the bullet rings out and you you see Hugo go flying over the edge, you currently have... You're, you're attempting to intervene on the inventor's behalf, correct? Yeah. What were you intending to do? 
if you had more time. I think I made a decision in the last session, but I, I can't for the life of me tell you what it was. I don't think you have made a decision, why don't you tell me what uh, you would have done. Like, tr try to, like, shove him out of the way. <laughs> in that case, yes. yeah, we see, like, as you have shoved him out of the way, and uh, he falls to, like, one knee as, uh, in tandem... We just literally see Hugo just twist and fly over the railing. After having sort of done a bit of a parkour leap to get into a high enough elevation to block the bullet. And what do any of you do who are present in that split second try to try to attempt? Soup, you're a little bit of a distance away. But Sky and the inventor are right on the scene. Soup, we'll begin with you. Oh gosh, uh, there isn't much that I that I can do in this situation. Honestly, the best Not I can do is just rush over and just see if there's anything over the edge that can help us out. Sky. I mean, he's already falling, right? And I don't think I can get. To him. Like this is happening like in a split second. Like he has not even fall been falling for a whole second yet. In that case, what I've basically surmised is that the two of you are a bit stunned. The inventor looks at you as like time has kind of slowed down. And he goes to like kind of hold your hand. Like you see, like in the process, like his eyeglasses have been shaken off. And Okay, okay, what's what's underneath Hugo as he falls? Looking down below was basically the sort of smokestacks of the smokestack district. Um, basically That's a like long large way industrial down. plants, like literally hundreds of feet down. Like you could probably like if you spent a little bit of t time, you could probably like try to identify the parklet that the Playtime Carnival is. Um, but the part that you're on top of is more of like a sort of industrial site with like warehouses and 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 stacks and stuff like that, and industrial yards. Okay. And the inventor is like holding your hand. Yeah. Like. I'm sorry. I just I failed to, to see what I can do about. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of the thing I was trying to establish. Is if you guys don't feel like there's much you could do, the inventor offers you to basically hold your hand and come with him. Okay. Like, right now? And he goes to basically, like, as he leads you. Do you follow him? Yeah. Am I invited he to follow? He pulls himself... You're trying to Just run... Sky. Like, here's the thing, Soup. It's like, this is in slow motion. Like, not even a second has really passed. <laughs> or, like, just a second has passed. We see as the inventor grabs a hold of your arm, Sky, and goes to leap off the railing with you. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, no, I'll go with him. I assume he's got a plan unless he's just suicidal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he was just yeah. about to get yeah. no, you don't know. You don't, you don't know of any plan, Sky. Uh, so you kind of are taking a bit of a leap of faith here as you feel yourself pulled off the railing as you kind of, like, find your balance, you look back at Soup for one last moment, who, like, literally in the process, we see, like, the the containers of Soup broth sort of, like, hitting the ground and splashing upwards. I thought it was instant soup. Uh, there's, like, some, <laughs> there's, like, some stock and stuff like that, too. 
Uh, Soup's so got got two market bags worth. Uh, and we see as both the elves go flying off the side. And that's where we kind of see Hugo as, like, the light around you is growing kind of brighter, but also more faded. As we see, like, a trail of, like, red droplets kind of floating above you. And then it gets darker as you are just falling upwards and we begin to see, like, two blurry silhouettes fly towards you. And Sky, like, just as soon as you begin to sort of panic if this guy's got any sort of plan, you see that he snaps his wrist and you see a sort of uh, silvery white globe made out of hexagons appears in his hand. And he flicks it upwards and the globe expands from him to encapsulate you, him, and Hugo's body. As you suddenly find the environment around you kind of, like you begin to feel the air stop rushing as fast as you kind of go into a sort of anti-gravity field that begins to fall slower, causing like the little droplets of blood from Hugo to sort of uh, kind of drift like they're in zero G. His trumpet, which had fallen out of his hand, caught up in it as well as he cast Featherfall. And all of you begin drifting towards a small, uh, basically you're drifting like towards a warehouse with like a tin roof that has, that is in much disrepair and has a big hole in the middle of it. And you are basically drifting inside the hole of this disused warehouse and landing on uh, an old concrete floor. With a with like a a column of light shining down on where you are, as the the environment around you is just sort of surrounding you in this sort of uh, silvery globe. That as it lands towards the ground, you begin to see the hexagons disappear, and just a foot above the ground, you just feel the gravity return to you, and all of you. <laughs> land on the ground, except for Hugo, which you see the inventor has, like, taken the method to sort of, like, hold in his arms and keep him from hitting the ground too harshly. We fade to black. Hugo. Yes? You're on stage. A position you have been in not too long ago, where you look at bright spotlight shining down in front of you. In the standing room of the crocodile's ball gown, surrounded by people wearing white masks. You look above you, and you see inside of a box where Mr. Gilded sat before, obscured is now the sort of frame you would recognize as being Mr. Blaze watching you, judging you, expecting your performance to be worth its time. And you stand there dressed in your finest clothes, your hair done up perfectly, your clothes, every wrinkle pressed out of them and your old trumpet in your hand. And you just get that sensation that 
you're playing for the sake of your own life. What do you do, Hugo? Well, so the first thing I do would be take a deep breath. Then I look out at the crowd and look up to Mr. Blaze. And I wouldn't really say anything, but I'd start a small I'd start a small fire around my feet, a little circle that I'm standing in. And I would play something slow, meaningful. You summon the fire around your feet, and while the flames do leap and circle around you, they are thin and faint, as if they are struggling to burn at all. There's murmuring from all the masked faces. As Mr. Blaze looks down, concerned. Let me a performance check. Fourteen. Begin playing, and the lights begin to the fire begins to burn a little bit brighter. And then you begin to see trails of flame from the circle begin to expand and start crawling towards things like the curtains and the stage base. And the environment does begin to fill up with a little bit of smoke, but it's very faint. Scott. The inventor is kneeling in front of you as you see that he is in the process of laying Hugo down and pulling the jacket off of him and says, I don't have exactly a ton of uh, surgical experience, but I do know a little bit of first aid after all. How different can uh, bodies be for machinery? Um, I need I need your help for this. Will okay. you have it? I, I need you to keep pressure on the wound right there until I know exactly what's wrong. Okay. Alright, so like, he kind of... You see he actually like pulls out of his jacket a pair of uh, like nitrile gloves and tosses them to you. Uh, as he's like in the process of like just ripping the buttons off of Hugo's jacket and uh, sort of revealing his abdomen where you can see a, 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 a growing red stain as he instructs you to sort of press down on his body. Okay. Well, I'm gonna apply pressure to it, like like he said. Alright, uh, go ahead. As, as, as I'm gonna say that you're helping him in this case, because he's kind of got the better medicine. Okay. Um, soup. What yeah. are you doing? You look over the edge as you have, like, cut the end of, like, the bubble. Some, clearly some sort of magical effect. Mm -hmm. Having apparently lowered them safely to the ground. But you, you, you are perceptive enough that you saw Hugo get shot. You caught that glint of light before it went off. You caught that muzzle flare. Him falling was just the start of the issue. And you're currently leaned over the edge of the railing looking down. Hmm. So, do I know, do, have I seen any paths where if I could find a way to travel faster, I could get down there quickly enough? Maybe, maybe not like in order to maybe help stabilize him or something, because I assume this is like very, very far away. Nothing I can quickly cast to save to help. So you're trying to find out like what's the best way down. So, so what is your strategy for this? You want to just 
go go through the alleys and the streets and try to get down quickly? Um, I think I'm going to run back to the sh- shop I was just at and ask if anyone has a vehicle. <laughs> just in a panic, go in like, my friend just got shot. I need to go make sure he's okay. I'm a doctor. Does anyone have a vehicle? I need to get down there right now. Uh, you hear in the distance, there's, there's no asphalt or rubber involved in here, but you hear still hear the sounds of like Tyrus screeching as you see that there is uh, one car seeming to zoom away, one, one of these Zeppelin taxis zip away. Uh, but you see that there is still like another one sort of floating there nearby. Can I try to climb on? Um, you look down the edge, like you're running down the tunnel, but you can see it like at the edge of it. And yeah, you can begin running your way there. We see as uh, you make your way towards the edge of there and floating maybe only about 10 feet above out of range of most people, but you can kind of begin to sort of like lift yourself up and it kind of rocks to one side in the process. And you see very dizzy in the process is a Aragonasi woman uh, who's got her hair sort of all, all, all uh, stratist into sort of cornrows. And uh, she is very confused right now. And she seems to be, like, in the process of, like, fixing herself in the seat and making sure her vehicle's in park and stuff like that. And she sees you, like, climb into the back compartment. And she says, oh, excuse me, what's what's going on? Someone is dying and we need to get down to that spot there right now. I'll pay you good. Only a persuasion check. Oh, God. I'm not very good at those. Wait, I'm better at them now. For those of you wondering, a little bit of a level up occurred recently. Uh, What did you roll? 22. You see uh, as she she looks at you from behind this grate, and this is a much nicer cab than the one you guys were in, rather than the rust bucket. And you see her sort of like, see the... uh, awareness in her eyes, and she says, oh, Probably gonna get a big trouble for this, but where? Where do I need to, I where do we need to go? Direct down, right down to the spot where I saw the bubble go down. Here's the thing, is that you had to go back inside of the strip to do this. Mm-hmm. So you are inside of, like, that dark alleyway. Like, that dark, sort of, like, interior tunnel area. Alright. Um... Out and around, there's a spot with the railing right over where they've got the stacks. Go down, and I'll show you the. You want to take you to the steel stack district? Yes, yes, yes. All right, steel that's all stacks. she needs. Um, and she'll uh, book stack district, and she'll lead you. Uh, she'll she'll um, rather than backing up, she'll basically begin sort of riding outwards, kind of taking like the higher level until eventually you see like there's like a large sort of open court that leads to like a big chimney that rises upwards and you see that she actually like stops and then begins lifting it upwards and actually goes through a bit of a a three-dimensional side alley that uh, you are unaware of soup um and soup is currently on on route in the car in the uber um we see though as Sky and the inventor are currently kneeled down. Uh, I'm gonna give the inventor a medicine check with advantage because he has Sky offering an extra pair of hands. 
The first one was a one. Natural one. Oh god. But the second one is going to be a 23. Nice! Oh wow. So you see that as he's like in the process, he manages to actually like pull out a bit of a some sort of like glowing light device. Uh, and as he does it, you actually see it begins to spray some sort of like adhesive outwards, like some sort of like, um, like, yeah, like some sort of like uh, super glue, basically. And he uses that as like a temporary suture onto the wound itself. Uh, but he says, "I bought him a little bit of time, but." I'm not an expert surgeon, and the bullet's still inside of him. I, I, I don't think that any major organs have been hit, but it feels as if maybe it hit part of his pelvis, and that's just going to cause more bleeding. Okay. We see, like, at... The, hmm? Sorry, go on, Sky. Oh, nothing, nothing, go on. Uh, at this point is when we hear... Soup... Uh, we hear like the sound of kind of an a- an acer based engine and like soup. How much money do you pass her? I'll pass her two gold. This is an important trip. Um, yeah. As as she kind of like does that, she 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 takes it just for the sake that you did kind of put her in an awkward situation. And we see like as like she outside the front of this warehouse, which is kind of like just an open sort of sliding barn door style thing. We see, like, as she, like, stops and hovers, uh, Soup, like, hops off and, uh, looks around and sees all of you inside the warehouse and begins making their way in. And Soup, you currently see, uh, the inventor and Sky covered in blood on their arms and their waist, uh, and Hugo sort of lying on the ground, just as you, uh, see that... Um, the inventor is currently in the process of picking him up. Whoa, 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 wait, let me handle this. I'm, uh, I've got minor medical training here. Alright, let me take a look at him. Um, the inventor will pass you to him and say, What this man needs is a proper surgeon. I might know a couple of people on the far side of the city, I might know a couple of back alley dealers, but if we're talking about location, the best options will either be the uh, app, the Order of the Burning Bulbs. They have good medical professionals there that offer free assistance. There's also the College of the Macabre, but that's assuming that Jack Rumbo is, inv- is, is available. I'm gonna put my money on. Uh, I'm gonna put my money on the college. All right. And I think I might know a shortcut. And he'll pass you, uh, Hugo. Um, as you see, he begins kind of taking up the gloves and starts pulling out some towels and begins wiping himself off. He tosses, he tosses like the rest of the roll to Sky. As you see, like he's in the process of picking up some items of his, not seeming to be in a huge rush to move. Um. Okay. I'll ask him if there's anything else that can be done that I could help with, since he seems to be good at medical stuff. Uh, he says, I think he's stable for now. It's just a matter of dealing with a ticking clock. Uh, if you can find Mr. Rambo in time to 
get him proper care, then I suppose that is going to be your best opportunity. But overall, being delicate with them and making sure time is of the essence is the most valuable thing that you can handle. As you see, he's just in the process of like putting items that he was using to sort of like fix Hugo back into his bag. Not seeming to follow you. Okay. All right, Sky, let's go. We'll catch up with him later. Okay. Um, I want to ask him where I can meet him afterwards. He looks at you and says, I'll offer you what advice I can, but this may be a matter of me reaching out to you. I'm sorry, but as is quite evident for your friend, I am a hunted man right now. And if I remain visible, then let's just say that if I stay close to you, you're going to wind up other collateral damage. Okay, well, I'll tell him my address then. I would not trust this address. I know for a fact that your mother has already placed agents around there. Can I tell them Soup's address? <laughs> can, I, can I tell him any identifying information at all that he can contact me with? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, too, I, I'm kind of curious about a little bit, and I don't know if Soup wants to intervene a little bit in, but right now, this guy kind of looks like he's almost prepared to sort of cut and run. Like, he says this thing like he doesn't want to be near you, otherwise you'll end up as more collateral damage. But at the same time, there's a bit of a mess on hand, and he's kind of just l leaving you where you're at. Um, Sir, my 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 deepest apologies. A big reason we're currently in this situation is because you're a hunted man, and sometimes it's. I mean, I've told this to other people before. It's worth having a bit of a team you can trust. That's true. If I don't think this is a good time to just cut your strings and run. You, you, what you say kind of stops him for a moment. You begin to sort of tug on a couple of, of strings that are still there. But you hear him reply, I can assure you that I can take care of myself. Honestly, I feel like this danger would never have come to pass if I did not make myself known to you and you had not been in such proximity to me. Well, I was promised you'd tell me more about this, and I kind of whip out the staff for a moment before putting it away. And a promise is a promise, and I make sure people stick to those. And honestly, you're only alive because of this guy. And I give Hugo like a very light pat. Now give me a persuasion check. 16. Okay. Wait, I, I can what? I'd say that's enough. Um, so as you see, like, he is literally in the process of, like, I don't have time to deal with this. And he is literally, like, 
you can tell that the reason why, with your passive insight, that he's kind of dodging the question of, hey, how can I get a hold of you later, is because he has no intentions of getting a hold of Sky later. But when you bring up that thing that he is only alive because of Hugo, he stops for a moment and says, Well, I suppose I owe you maybe a couple of answers. But please do keep in mind that any further casualties dealt by outside parties on my behalf, I warned you about. And I will attempt to limit my time and proximity to you to the most maximum that I can allow. No Agreed. worries, sir. I mean, technically, I was the one hired as this man's bodyguard. Now let's go to Jax. He sighs a bit, and he like literally looks like he was like about to don the mask again. But he'll just tuck it away underneath his coat. And he'll say, I might know a couple of back shortcuts, follow me. And no stalling, or I might pick you up too. And he goes off, actually rather expeditiously. Um, and uh, as he leads you on... We see, uh, do, do the, do the two of you follow? Yeah. All right, yeah. then. We see Hugo once more standing on that stage. The environment is filled with smoke and jazz and heat. And while the... Hugo, you're beginning to sort of struggle. I want you to roll me just a constitution saving throw. As you play, you begin to fuel. Every time you inhale, smoke fill your lungs. And You find yourself coughing and, and struggling to keep playing. Having to hold down entire coughs to, in order to put your mouth to it. And at times, you find yourself wheezing to even continue the performance. But you know that it's all over if you fail this. You have to keep going. You have to fight through. And you hear a voice in your ear say, Master Hugo. And I'll think back. Arthrax? You need not think in this space. You can simply speak. Speak. I'm not sure what you mean. That's when you look and you see that over to the left, you see yourself playing the trumpet. And you, maybe about ten feet behind, are standing in front of just kind of a black shadow. Dressed similar to your like former manager behind the stage itself as you just look and you're literally watching yourself play this performance and struggle to keep going. You see like your 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 own sort of split duplicate kind of coughing to themselves a little bit as they're continuing to sort of play on stage in this ring of fire. But you're behind next to the sort of flaming curtain as you see what you can most obviously tell to be Falthrax standing before you. You... Your body is failing, Mr. Hugo. 
Your mind struggles to hold on. What do you mean my body's fit? Oh. You that. remember. I remember. This space is of your own manifestation. To hide you from the pain you are really feeling. I have simply reminded you of the truth while still blocking you from the pain. What am I going to do? You are being aided by your companions as best as you can. But nothing is certain. Well, if nothing is certain, then I think I have an idea. And I would like to jump back into my body. Okay, then. We, we literally don't even see you jump into your body. You literally, like, you're peeking through the curtain. And as you open up the curtain, uh, we literally just, you're just back into that, that, that version of you standing on stage playing. Um, before you do anything else, I want you to roll me a performance check, but with disadvantage, because technically you have one level of exhaustion. <laughs> Thirteen. Right. You're playing and it hurts. It hurts more than anything. You can literally feel the cramping in your own gut. Your bones grinding against each other as you find yourself on stage, not just playing, but performing and giving everything you have into the show. Literally your own soul and blood into keeping it going. And, and, and what? What, what did you want to try? As I continue performing, I'd like the intensity to get more and more and the fire around, even it, as just an illusion, to just slowly fill up the room, not even smoke. So we see, then, like, at, at the fire has been like a slow creep at this point, and as you begin to pick up the tempo, as you begin to play higher notes, as you begin to play in, in faster successions, we begin to see the flames crawl faster, we begin to see, like, lot. Uh, like like bits of fire sort of being to burn parts of the crowd but they just kind of still stand there intently watching as you can literally see like their skin and clothes smoldering and, and yeah as I I will reach the finish of the performance I'd like to snap and have all the fire in the room go out except for one little candle flame on my fingertips Here's the thing, Hugo, mm -hmm. is that you know that this performance can't end. When it ends, it is over. Mm -hmm. But you can bring it quiet to a melody, and we see as you begin playing softer notes in a similar melody, the fire does begin to dim, but but it still continues to spread, almost as if like the oxygen was being sucked out of this room, but it still has enough to burn. 
and we see now you standing next to that flame-wreathed version of yourself holding a candle in your hand. I would like to look at Mr. Blaze, and I would like to call out to him. Hmm. I'd like to say, Blaze, I'm here. Done everything you've asked, but I want to change. I don't want the same things that we originally agreed on. I want to do things differently. And as you speak outwards, I want you to roll me a persuasion check. Fifteen. You see that the figure of Mr. Blaze kind of stares intently, the charcoal sort of burning cornrows that tuck back into a ponytail on his head kind of seems to shift from one shoulder to the next as he seems to lose focus on the version of you standing to the side, which you can see is kind of transparent and made out of drifting motes of embers and flame. Turns his head and quickly catches you, standing, holding that candle, wearing kind of white, a white sort of nightgown almost. And he sees you and looks at you intrigued. Soup. We see as you are running through back alleys, making your way towards the end of the smokestack district, as you begin making your way towards the lower starlight district, down like a large sort of, uh, kind of like a hill-based trolley or something like that. We see, actually, being held in uh, your arms, you see Hugo beginning to bleed more. And when you press your hand on his forehead, he's burning up. Alright, something's, something's going on with him. Quick assessment. Medicine check. Yep. Roll the 10. He looks down at Hugo as he presses his hand on there and says, Unfortunately, I, I don't know exactly what is happening to him. He... He, he, he seems to, to be burning up. Maybe... Maybe... Something drastic was punctured. Perhaps his body's trying to fight off some sort of infection. We need to we need we, we need to move fast. Alright. Let's keep going. As as you know, soup, you can literally feel like holding him in your arms. You can feel his heart beating faster, but still faint. Alright. Sky, how what are you doing during all of this? Um. What's going on through your mind? If I can check in. I... I I honestly don't... I I feel like I'm still just... Standing there not being able to be useful. Um, <laughs> How does not being able to be useful feel? Um, what are you, my shrink? No, bad. <laughs> does... does you like, I don't... Usually... Fun yeah. fact, I, I'd rather Hugo not die. I just don't know what I can do about <laughs> it right now. <laughs> so Sky has difficulty not being able to sort of help someone in a situation. Um, I feel like anyone would have difficulty not with if okay. their friend had been like shot. 
Okay, so you're still like processing it all is kind of what I'm getting. I, I and you're and you're very focused on making sure that you can do whatever you can, but you don't know if you can. You don't know if I there's more you could do. No specific skills or abilities that would lend themselves to helping this situation. Right, like right, I don't right. have any healing. No, ability. no, that 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 gives me exactly the feed. I, I well, I'm I just standing there waiting for something to happen that I can help yeah. with. But I think I'm just standing there right now. <laughs> In that case, we see as uh, all of you begin making your way uh, through these streets as you begin crossing into the lower Starlight District, as you begin running past Soup's apartment and making your way towards the kitchen. Hugo. We hear a deep voice laugh. Well, Hugo, it would appear that you always find a way to intrigue me. What is it that you want now? I've given you everything. You've given me everything that I wanted, but what I realize now, and what I realized over the past couple of days, is that the things that I wanted before were never the things that I should have. This job, this lifestyle, this passion is not about the fame, the money, the fun. Well, it is about the fun. It's about the connections and the people you meet and the things you're able to do with them and the way that you're able to make them feel. <laughs> a little warlock finally realizes the scope of his situation, the irony that only took you to death's door to realize that now. <laughs> I wish I could help you, Hugo, but I'm just oh, a manifestation of your mind. I'm oh, everything you aspire for, I'm everything that intimidates you. I'm not gonna ask so keep... for anything this time around. I'm just letting you know what I've came to realize. And I'm wondering if we can start over. I don't need three more wishes. Just want to be on good terms. And I want to hold out my hand. Well, I hope you know that you're asking these things for yourself. But you only have yourself to convince. Hugo. I want you to roll me another performance check as your spectral duplicate is continuing to to roll. Now it's two levels of exhaustion. That's still disadvantage, so go just ahead and roll with disadvantage. Dang it, I forgot about the disadvantage. My first roll was great, my second roll is a 10. You literally see yourself sputtering and coughing for, uh, on the stage. And as you see your spectral version of yourself, you can't help but feel that pain welling up in your own gut. And we see uh, as, as Soup, uh, Sky, as you are kind of are in the lead a little bit here, how taking you see the entrance to the kitchen, um, which, you know, I don't think you were here last time uh, when they visited it, but um, you would know that this is Soup's place of work. And you see that currently in, in this era of the day, you see that there is just a sign on it that says, uh, 
Essentially, it says, says no interruptions, play your music outside. Daddy's got a lot of projects to catch up on. Just hang in from the door. Well, I'm breaking and entering because this is a song of life. So the thing is with this door is it's like a heavy wooden door with like just maybe like the tiniest of like a metal grate slip. And as you go to like try to like open it up, it is just like heavily barred from the other side. Ah, uh, all right, quick, we need to deal with the heat. Sky, grab me some water and I'm going to yell from the other side. Jack, Hugo's dying! You see, like, as you are sitting there, there's, like, just a dude drinking from a pipe. Or drinking from, like, a big stein and seems to be in the process of, uh, playing a banjo. Just, just big, heavy human dude with a big round nose and a hat that goes over the eyes. And you hear the figure say, ain't gonna be any use. Jack's been keeping himself locked up in her all day. All day? Yep. Went in there. Hell, you had someone in, come over with a broken leg earlier, didn't even open up. Ba ding ding ding, ba ding 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 ding. So can I see anywhere into the other side, near, uh, to the other side of the door? Uh, you can see there's just like, maybe like a faint little crack in there. That's like the, the it's just like a little people slit that's like not all the way closed. Okay. And, and but that's when I... soup, as you're holding Hugo, you begin to feel his body jerk as he begins to seize. Sky, I need that water set. I'm going to use- um... Dimitri's already like got you covered. Like you see he pull, he's like in the process. He actually has a symbol, like a little atomizing fan. Wait, and he, uh, water? he pulls water out of his fanteen, attaches it oh. in there and screws his canteen into it and is in the process of trying to cool Hugo down. Can oh, I sorry. use shape water to make it a little cooler? Yeah, you can absolutely do that. And on top um, of that, since that's not concentration, can I also use mold earth to try to move some of the earth underneath the door? Uh, there isn't any earth underneath the door, just uh, sort of work stone and stuff like that. Not okay. natural enough. Okay, um, yeah, however, okay. you see Dimitri like looks at Sky, and, and you said well, Sky feels... Sky feels like she, she feels stressed in this situation. But she looks like she wants to help. Yeah, Dimitri's a fuck. Uh, you see the inventor look at you and uh, can tell that you are stressed and that you want to help in this situation, correct? Yeah. He says, as he passes Soup the, the atomizing fan, as you see Soup begins to sort of uh, create little bits of frost on the base of the canteen, he looks at you and says, Do you want to help? I might have a way of I, yes. I, I have an idea. Pass me your pass me pass me your wrist. Yeah, of course. As uh, you pass him uh, your wrist, you see like he begins pulling out little Aether Tech tools and spends about the next two minutes uh, manipulating the little device that your parents basically have made you wear since you were a child to protect yourself. And in the process, uh, you see like he what? What? Like your Aether Tech wristlet. That you've had since you were a teenager. I've had an Acer Tech bracelet since I was a teenager. Yeah, that's like the the one that lets you cast Blade Ward on yourself. Oh, remember, remember I... that one? Okay. Like it's just like a little gadget that you have. Yeah, you know, you've made oh, sure there's okay. no tracking implements in it or anything. Yeah, it's yeah, simply yeah, yeah. for utility. Fair and okay. as 
as he he's manipulating. He's literally taking chunks of it out and he's putting new bits into it. And you see, like, he's built, like, an entire apparatus onto it. And watching this man work is impressive. Like, you see, like, he is literally in the process of combining both electrotech tools and, like, drill guns and stuff like that in combination with more finesse, uh, more arcane aether tech sort of implements. And you see, like, as he closes the latch a little bit, you see that your device begins humming with power. And he says, just try pointing it on the other side of that grate. I hope this works. It also might have a chance of completely atomizing him. Hard to say. Can I take it off and try it? Uh, it's not going to be very useful if you take it off. Okay. I guess I'll try it then. And you see as you wrist, raise your wrist upward and you point it at the door. And you see he he d- indicates to like a little like panel on there for you to touch like a little touch screen button. And as you touch it, you literally find yourself sort of become enwrapped in sort of aether mist. And all of you literally see as uh, Sky just sort of dissolve into mist. And Sky, you suddenly see yourself reappear on the other side of the door. Oh, okay. As you can now cast the Misty Step spell once per short rest, as per your feet. And you look at the thing and you see just a very large latch. That you can undo. Alright, can you get us in? Yeah, 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 I'll unlock it. Oh, thank goodness, she's alive. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's amazing. Quick, too. Yeah, and you see, like, as there's just a grunting as Sky moves a very heavy barricade. You're not how sure exactly how jacked up this thing into place. Um, but as uh, you see... Sounds like he as... must be jacked. Yeah, he used to jack. Uh, you see as he uh... kicks it open. Um, yeah, Hugo's dying. Um, as <laughs> you open that up, uh, and you see Sky is currently inside, and you see that the kitchen is like on very like dim light mode. It is completely unoccupied, but you do see like that vault at the far end of it, possible to open. And you see like as that's been opened a little bit, uh, you see the vault opens up, and you see that there is a figure wearing uh, a bit like a, a literally like wearing like a visor over his eyes, with his like massive sort of goggles playing Doctor Mask with a beak sort of extending out in front of him. And he looks at all of you, and he's like, Excuse me, did you not read the sign on the- Oh, what's going on with Hugo? Hugo's down, there's a bullet inside him, we need to get him out, and we need to stop the bleeding, and also the strange amount of heat. We're trying to cool him down. Alright, move your way over here, I'm gonna see if I got a clean bed. Alright. Well, it's not gonna be a clean bed, but it's gonna be a clean- It's gonna not have a full body on it. It's gonna- It's gonna, it's gonna have less than 90% of a body on it. All right, that sounds reasonable enough. What can I help with? So it could have 88% of body. <laughs> 88% of a body is not, is not much less body. That's by, like a body by, by without a hand. Or by height. That's just like a decapitated corpse. Well, that's enough room, that's enough room for Hugo. Thank okay. you. Finally, someone who understands how I work. Uh, Hugo, um, we cut back to you. As you just hear the voice laughing. <laughs> Amused at your spectacle. You are aware in your more liminal sense that this is not actually Mr. Blaze, but it is indeed a manifestation. As you hear see Falthrax stand behind you in his sort of giant composure. 
My lord, you're coming to a tipping point. Your allies cannot hold out much longer, and neither can you. You have a choice. You could allow me to protect what remains of you. And perhaps we can find a new way for you to survive. Or you could take a risk and hope that your allies can get you the help you need in time. What will you do? I will preserve you. I will shelter you on to my own patron, a paragon himself. And you will have a chance to bargain for your own life. I can guarantee that you will be given an offer that will allow you to continue. But it is your choice overall, my lord. If you wish to roll the dice in a game of mortality, then that is simply your own legend to speak. I will continue to remember you for what you were and who you are. If we've come to a tipping point, then we'll take a deep breath. Because Hugo is not sure. The decision I... to make is now. If we wait too long, you may be too far gone for me, me to recover more than just memories of you. I've got a patron, and I trust my friends. My lord will be disappointed that he could not interface with you directly. But I am certain he will respect your decision. Maybe someday I'll get to meet him. But I'll have to make it through this first. Thank you for your offer. And your assistance. Although a strange relationship we've had, I'd say it's still been a good one. Would you like me to aid your companions, then, in navigating your own diagnosis? I have absorbed as much information as I can to your frail mortal form, and believe that I can diagnose the proper ailments to it. You know, I did not think about that. That's a cool idea. How exactly is that going to work? You see, you look over at the form and it is just gone. And you are still like in that stage environment trying to like cling on. You you actually are now back inside your musical form as you literally find yourself now with three levels of exhaustion. <gasps> Struggling to continue playing. As all of you are, are laying Hugo down onto uh, the bed, you see his eyes flutter open and are just pitch black. And you hear a voice. Allies of Hugo. <laughs> you, you hear like a fumbling of metal implements as Jack just like, who's like 20 feet away after you have managed to like you go onto an fortunately empty bed with only a few bloodstains, like drops. It's like, what the hell is that? 
He slurped up some aberrant slug. It's trying to talk to us. At least is what I think happened. Maybe I'm completely <laughs> wrong. Hugo is dying. But there is still a chance he can be saved. All right. Your mortal forms are weak and insignificant. However, it also makes them incredibly simple to comprehend the mechanisms of. Jack is just looking at, like... Well, you know, that's not the weirdest thing that I've done this month, so... Alright, everyone move to the side. Let's hear what this weird brain slug's got to say. As he starts just slowly pulling out, like... Various surgical implements, some of them a little bit more aggressive looking, like little bone saws and stuff like that, to like... Halfling-sized bone saws. Yeah, stuff like that, and like he like he doesn't know what he's gonna need. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And you literally see that Balthrax speaking from Hugo's mouth just continues to sort of like speak in a way that's like describing... There is it for an object located within the abdominal cavity. I believe that it has broken into two parts along with a bone fragment, which is causing additional bleeding. And, and Jack just literally goes like, All right, all right, all right, we've established you're a show-off. No need to get physical. Yes, he's got a bullet inside his body that needs to get taken out. <laughs> you see Falthrax through Hugo's mouth and Jack Rambo just continue to sort of go into like a bit of like a banter with each other as they are being operated on. Since I'm assuming Hugo's eyes are entirely black, you couldn't even see Falfrax roll his eyes. Yeah, you are literally you're literally like exorcist right now on the table. I just had a really cursed idea. Can I use shape water to try to move Hugo's insides so it's easier to do the surgery? Mm -mm. Blood water does not affect blood the same way. There is a very different magical sort of alchemical component that comes to blood. No, no blood no, related. No There's blood no blood I could be master of all four elements, but I cannot blood bend. Blood is magical. That's a yeah. new one. It's not that it's magical, there's just a more more complex nature to it. Um, a more, you could almost say necrotic nature to it, or, or, or necromatic, not necrotic, necromatic nature to it. Um, but you see that as uh, they're are, you are all literally in the process of trying to save Hugo. Probably a good half hour goes by, which is just surgery. And it's actually very terrifying to see Hugo with, like, part of his stomach stapled open talking to Jack. And I don't know if any of you wanted to look or if any of you shied away. The inventor definitely finds a quiet spot not to look. As he's, like, just very genuinely, like, inspecting the various filing systems that Jack has. You see it goes from, uh, spare bone saws to chain saws to rotary saws. Uh, and if as... possible, soup is yeah. helping. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's, like, actually, you go to offer to help, and, and Jack is literally like, Nope, no, I got it, I got it. Please just step back, I need my space. Alright, then I'm just yeah, watching... He... Yeah, he is literally he, he he is literally the dude who does not like an an intern hovering over his shoulder. Um but I mean, from what you can tell, Sue, like, you're not as experienced as he is, but every time you see him sort of perform an incision, every time you see him pull part of 
the body out. Occasionally he does kind of ask someone. Even though he says, I don't need help, he occasionally asks someone to bring a cup where he can drop the bits of the bullet. Uh, and you see, like, in the process, he's eventually, like, begins to sort of stitch Hugo back up. And he says, like, all right, then, uh, thank you, Farron, or whatever your name is. It is Falthrax. However, they have given me the pseudonym Crunch. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you can just go back and wiggle back inside of Hugo's brain and let him rest if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I don't know exactly what sort of this exorcism is uh, going to be doing to his mental faculties. And uh, I'm not too eager to uh, be riding up an extra prescription, if you know what I mean. Um, which, uh, you know, we'll talk about other other expenses later. Anyway, uh, as you see, like, he's in the process of taking off, like, his big butcher's gloves and lays them down. He says, uh, well, it looks like he's gonna make it. Uh, you're welcome to hang out here for a little while. Just please don't touch any of my projects. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go eat something if that's actually okay. Any, anyone else hungry? Just me? No, not that. Honestly, no, I was gonna get myself some soup, but, like... He's literally like in the process of scraping like blood and mucus off of his 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 butcher's apron. Honestly, like if we really gotta wait and see how Hugo's doing, I got these new like I got these new like cubes from all the way up up to you, top. You look up and you see just the door thunk close. Oh, okay. He's usually nicer to me. <laughs> Roll me an insight check. You Well, 25. So here's the thing with him is he is very clearly stressed with things. And like when you came in like, hey, Hugo is dying. We need help. He's like, oh, OK, well, obviously that's an important job. But there's also an element of like, oh, I guess there's another job people need me to do. You can tell he's like a little bit behind on work <laughs> and like that's kind of put him into grumpy mode. And he's definitely very disassociated from, like, the element that, like, he just saved your friend's life. He's literally like, I got more work to do, but I should eat first. Just because, like, I haven't eaten all day. And he literally goes off to eat. Like, you don't think that it's personal, just from what you know of Jack, is that he, he, he gets very work-focused. And then he gets very hungry. And he doesn't usually have a lot of room for sentiment in there. Not that he's cruel, not that he's sociopathic, he's just like, well, solve this problem, time for me to eat something before I get on to my next job. Jeff gets into a mood. He's yeah, he's just cruel. in a mood. He's not sociopathic, he's just hungry, and that's how it is. <laughs> exactly. Well, I really don't think we should be leaving him until we never we have some signs of living um you said there was like a back room with like an actual kitchen in it yeah that's where he's going right now to uh. go to the kitchen uh but yeah no to describe where you are a little bit just a bit to kind of describe like how you got there so this the kitchen itself like is originally like this front office that has like a couple of like you know like break rooms and stuff like that there's like a small actual like kitchen there's like a little sort of musician jamboree. It's literally like a house and it's kind of decorated like a little bit like a frat house, I guess. Um, because like that's kind of the College of the Macabre's a little bit like that. And you see that there is a sort of back room 
that goes behind this massive vault that you went through. That's literally just like a massive, like, uh, Frodo door in the middle, but it's like a metal vault. And then you get back there and you lead to this sort of stone corridor that's like very cold in there most of the time to keep the bodies cool. That has like an entrance that goes down to like the parts of the city they're trying to excavate underneath to like various other bits of storage. And the most leftmost room, walk down the hall, first left you make, that's Jack's kitchen. When and... you're saying that like the College of the Macabre is kind of decorated like a frat house, all I'm picturing is like Jack playing Dr. Mask, but like in like a tank top and a backwards hat and just kind of doing that pose that they do. Kind of like, like that, but imagine like everyone's dressed in sort of uh, like old suits and stuff like that. And it's got kind of like a collegiate looking vibe to it, but and then you also... look at Scoop's outfit and everything suddenly makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this College of the Macabre isn't an educational facility. It's more like a Bardic college, like a traditional actual Bardic college, which is more of like a Skillshare slash fraternity. Um, that's what the College of the Macabre is. And you are in like the back room of it, and you see that there are about. Uh, how many did, did I describe in there? Uh, you see that there are about six bodies in here right now, lying on various, like, tarps and stuff like that. Uh, you see that there is, like, that, including, like, that, uh, uh, that skeleton that he seemed to have been building a little bit, and now you actually see, like, there's, like, these weird, like, hieroglyphic drawings, like, scattered about, and you see, like, he's got, like, jars with organs inside of it just scattered around. <laughs> The uh, skeleton he was working on that had like the one giant black necrotic gem in its eye. And he's beginning to sort of bandage it together. As if this oh. dude's building his own mummy. We're probably gonna have to fight that thing in the future once it goes rogue, but for now, who wants lunch? Because I do want to think about other things rather than death at the moment. Which is kind of unusual. Where's Ganon? Shit. Uh... You see, like, actually at the moment, you see that um, the inventor is currently, like, trying to tune his Aethotech device, and he's like, oh, God damn, hard to get reception down here. And you start hearing, like, the sounds of police chatter coming from his device. He's, like, pressed it up against his ear, trying to listen to the static. This. All right, then, it looks like uh, we haven't exactly had too much of a scrutiny on us as we were making our way here. It seems like most of the Velvet Blue were preoccupied with an incident on the southern side of the city. What happened? Uh, I'm trying to get details on that exactly, but that is when one of the tables begins to rock a little bit. Aww. Oh boy. And we see a bit of uh tossing as Hugo you suddenly find yourself sitting trying to sit upright but then you feel a bit of pain in your gut as Hugo is now awake <gasps> okay you're alive I'm alive yeah Hugo's alive oh good you're not excited <sighs> no I'm excited I'm very excited, I'm, Sky, excited. Roll me Hugo, I'm glad you're alive Sky roll me an insight check real quick it's not Hugo, kill him. No. Uh. <laughs> um. 18. 
you can see that there is very much of a relieved look off of the inventor's face. You can tell you know you can tell that he is the type of person who's seen a number of people die or has been a hand in people dying. But you can tell he's very relieved that Hugo hasn't actually died for him. But maybe more from the perspective of the inventor's life, he he doesn't consider his own life worth it. And as Wait. he's watching hmm? Wait Sorry, I, you cut out for a second. What did you just... The last, like, half of your sentence? The inventor doesn't feel like... His life... Is worth Hugo throwing away his for. And there's, like, a genuine look of reprieve. Okay. As I'm sitting up, I'll probably... I'll probably be something like... Well... <laughs> Um, I am alive. <laughs> Thank goodness you are. And I'll look down and be like, mm, That hurts. Ooh. It does. It does. Can I try to like mix together like a really, really simple like painkiller yeah, out of my actually, personal stash? <laughs> absolutely. You can go ahead and you put that together and begin to sort of like drift it through, give him, like, the, the the equivalent of, you know. Maybe it makes him feel a little bit funny, but he's got most of his faculties together. I'll put a little flame on my finger and say, I can cauterize the wound! Now let's Damn. not do that! You were literally burning you, you up look, earlier! You look down, and, like, Jack's not the type of person who takes the time of cutting all the clothes off if you were taking them off. So you literally just have your chest open where you are, unbuttoned, untucked, and you just literally look down and you see, like, there's just a massive sort of, like, I want to say, like, an eight, nine-inch scar in your abdomen that's been stapled shut. Well, How good did mark? Jack do cleaning up before he took off for lunch? Um, he cleaned up Hugo, as in, like, literally, like, Hugo could almost basically walk out of here at this point. As far as clean up the mess... He hasn't put anything away. There's still, like, okay. blood on the floor. He's, like, sprayed a little bit of water to wash the blood off of you. Because literally, it's a more... It's, you're literally in an embalming room. So there's, like, hoses and stuff hanging from the ceilings to wash water with. Alright, get off the table. I gotta help out this dude a little bit. And I'm just gonna do at least some basic cleaning. Just so it doesn't look as terrible as it currently does. Oh, yeah, it smells bad in here, too. Um... But all of you kind of know that. And yeah. Let me tell you, climbing on climbing on the inventor went a lot different in my head. Well, it's fine. You're okay now. You probably need a different shirt. I borrow my vest or something. It's probably real big on you, but you'll be covered up. Just bought this too. You see, though, as a. Uh... I mean, you've got probably like a bag, Hugo, or something you carry your stuff in. Or probably it's in your trumpet. You probably have a change of clothes in your trumpet. You know um, what? I like that. <laughs> so it's like, you'll, you'll get to that when, you, when you're ready to, to puff into it. But that is when uh, we see from another table. Uh. A bit of a seizing. From one of them that is completely covered. Okay, stick is coming out. 
Mm. Yeah. Like mm. soup. You don't know what's up with this. I'm gonna look into the. Uh, Alright, who's there? What? Uh, why are you talking? Soup, do you make your way over to the, the, the bed? Yeah, I'll make my way over. I, I have see, a stick at the ready for bonking. You see that this is actually the same body, the same bed that uh, Jack walked underneath at one time to get to his own little private study nook <laughs> with the fireplace? Um, it doesn't look like this one has been moved since then. Actually, it's like a small layer of dust and grime on top of it. And you slowly pull it back. Miss, we need to get this man a proper assistance. All right, who's who's there? You pull it back and you see a head turn towards you and look back at you. And you see that there is a bullet hole straight in the middle of the forehead. Oh, shit. But the person is otherwise, like, fine looking at you. You've not screwed up. Oh, my God, Soup. Soup, you're here. Oh, oh, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. This is Gendon. Um, you died Flint again? Yeah, Flint's dead. <laughs> what did you do? Um, it Scott, was you're actually there too. quite dramatic. Um, I fell off the Ferris wheel. <gasps> Holy shit, you're the reason the police were going wild. Thanks for covering our tracks. Um, you did us a real solid, bro. Wait, covering our tracks for what? Oh, we found the adventure, and he Did? almost died, and then Hugo almost died. You see, Wait, literally what? hold it. You I see, didn't. like holding a. You see, like holding uh some sort of like pistol that he's assembled in place of it that has like a glowing red light drifting from the end of it is the inventor, who's currently pointing it at Yenden's head. Like, the fuck is up with this? It's fine. He's a friend. When he dies, he comes back. And he like tucks it in, you see the the gun just unfolds into itself and then turns into a little box of tic tacs that he tucks into his pocket. I'm gonna be like sit up and look around like, where's Hugo? <coughs> right here. Hugo. Hugo, do you need some help sitting up? You look at the body hearing that conversation and you feel like you feel like you're hearing the voice of someone else. And as you go to sort of adjust, as you begin to sort of, because don't mind, you know, don't forget, like you're still in a very dizzy state. Mm -hmm. As your eyes focus, you see looking back at you, removed of all of their lip piercing jewelry, nose piercing jewelry, ear piercing jewelry, hair not slicked back as it usually is, their jet black stony skin, fractured in the forehead. Looking back at you is Jayan, your manager. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, do you know me? Yeah. Uh, you were uh, my manager. God, I can't believe he's dead. Oh. Um, I'm I'm sorry for the bad news. Uh, I'd say thank goodness he's dead, cause now Gendon's back. Yeah, then you do you begin to sit, do you begin to sit up? Yeah. You see, like as Gendon begins to sit up, you see, like he he's completely naked. Um, 
You see many piercing holes that have been removed from like the, the belly button and stuff like that. You also see a small little tag draped around his toe. Can I read that tag? <laughs> <laughs> you just sit up on the table and you pick <laughs> one leg up onto the knee and you pull the tag off and you read it. Uh, and you you read it. It says it, it literally says uh, John Doe. Age estimate. Uh, you see it says thirty uh, something. It literally says thirty and then something question mark in Jack's handwriting. Cause of death. It says IDK. Shot in the head. I think. Found. <laughs> Spirit Ward, floating face down. Well, that's not and very And it's a, and then it has like the date, when you, when it went like, estimated uh, date of death. It says about three days ago. Well, this says I've been dead for three days now. <laughs> Is, is there any place is, is there any place I know of here where he like gets rid of all the old clothes that came on the dead bodies? Um, you're not sure where he does that bit. Actually, you probably process them a little bit. There's a small there's closet. There's a closet. There's a closet. There's like a closet across the hall that you don't have the key to. That uh, that like basically where the belongings of the dead and stuff are kind of sent to, and you know. Where they're like held until like whoever can be like processed or whatever. All right. Uh, Dude, I guess the sheet will have to do for now, unless Sky wants to pick the lock to that. Hugo, are you okay? I can try. Well, aside from a slight gap in my memory and a. Wow, how, let me, how should I say, like, a bit of a stressful and scarring dream. I think I'll be in pain for a little while, but overall I'll be eventually okay. I will say, as far as clothes go, there is, like, a, a, a line of, like, aprons and stuff like that. <laughs> if you want to put one of those on. Yeah, sure. just, 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 just give Gandon something to wear. <laughs> you are wearing an apron and nothing else, Gandon. Alright then, this just this is my life for now. <laughs> you actually see like soup passes you like an extra flowery one. That stealth <laughs> blood. <laughs> okay, we're probably gonna need to just get some you, you see, some proper you, you clothes see, soon. You, you you literally see it as like hand stitch embroidered, live, laugh, and bomb. Despite the fact that this is a pretty forward-thinking city, I don't think people are gonna like seeing your butt hanging out in public. No, no, I understand that. This is the second time I've woken up in this morgue, which is well, more I than mean, most people can say. Most people can say, but also it has to be expected due to the high number of bodies here compared to the rest of the city, so therefore, statistically, you are more likely to show up here. Why am I saying smart shit? I don't know. Um, I have other I questions. Stop. You look at the piece of paper tucked into your pocket that gave you some 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 references in case you ever wanted to go to college. 
I shove that deeper into the pocket. <laughs> okay, I have um I have other questions. I'm going to turn to the inventor and it's like, did you try to kill us? Uh first of all, I should be the one asking most of the questions here, but I suppose fair is fair. No, I didn't ever try to kill you. Then what was Why would the... I want to kill you? Hugo's security droids went crazy while during his performance. No, that is my previous class. I, I'm just going to explain everything that I explained to all of them, which he proceeds to do. Okay. <laughs> you now know everything. My well, employer, my, my, an employer, a previous employer of mine is responsible for the attack there. I did not know what he was going to do with it, nor was I too interested to question the money at the time. However, I became very interested in questioning it when a bounty was put out on me. Which, truthfully, me being in the presence of all of you are putting you in danger. So it may be best once we resolve a couple of things to, uh, well, let bygones be bygones, I suppose. And let's go our own path. I mean, we can also fake your death and make it seem like we that we got we we can get the bounty on you, and then we got the benefits both ways. No, Does I've already done it? that twice. It's uh, it's not it's not actually going ghost protocol. Actually, it's not as uh, effective as you think it might be uh, with these type of people chasing you. Uh, so, so if you have a bounty, how are we supposed to get your guys's names cleared? I mean, this is primary. I'll tell you right what. There. I have a solution a little bit, but I don't know how interested you might be in it. Suffice to say, we have an individual, a rather mad individual, if my intelligence has me correct, who is currently in the process of orchestrating something big, something grand, something very, very bad for the city and the people who live here. I think that if we deal with the person who's initiated the bounty, well, then I see that uh, there's no reason for who's ever chasing it to follow through with the hit. After all, no incentive, and I will say that I don't exactly make it easy for them. And the person who initiated the bounty is Sky's mom? I doubt that. Usually, I mean... I would never put anything I'm, past Stormwolf. I'm confused about who is who in this situation specifically, so... I think it's someone who used to work underneath, uh... Miss Elwith? Do they do, they do they know your actual name? Sky. Who? I'm going to assume not. Does, wait, wait, does who know my actual... I'm sorry. The party, mean, they don't. Oh. And he does not seem interested in revealing that. It. If the, I don't really care if they do at this point, but I didn't think they did. Suffice to say, Miss Elwith is, yes, a many uh, puppets under her control. However, I think that who we're dealing with is someone who she's trying to cut the strings off of. Hmm. Makes sense. And who would that be, and what would that? How would that guide our next steps? I can assure you that if I knew, I would be making means to put an end to it already. But as it stands, I'm more intent on seeing that I can put myself in proper safety. However, all of you might actually have an opportunity to 
deal with the problem yourselves. I last tracked down uh, this individual's base to being located somewhere in the Smokestack District. Uh, I believe an old carnival, perhaps. Where he went beyond that, I cannot say exactly. All right, so yeah, we dealt with some stuff at the carnival. There yeah, was a device the, the that carnival. was siphoning off souls and things into toys. I think I told you about this. Uh, no, you, you have, have not told me right? about that, but that also doesn't seem entirely necessary. Suffice to say, suffice to say, I could use your help a little bit. And I think that if we could uncover this conspiracy, if we could put an end to it, it could work very, very well in you proving your own innocence, especially considering that you weren't the ones who committed the attack. I wasn't the one who committed the attack, but this person was the one who committed the attack. And if we can get the blame, the heat off of all of us, I think that we stand a very good chance of surviving all of this. That makes sense. I agree. I can get behind this. I do like those odds. That's when you hear, see a bit of a jerking from another table. I'm sorry, what? I've already come alive. Who's that? You, do any of you go to approach? Uh, my stick is up and at the ready to swing. Uh, Shalala, Shalala. Yep, you go ahead, Yishalela, and you look as Yendon stands backwards, and you see, like, forming onto their back, like a very dark bruise, is a seven-pointed interlocking star with a skull in the middle of it. Third one. And then you start to see some more of the bodies begin to move. And jerk. We're clearing out, clearing out. And oh, then, no. as all of you are beginning to pick up your, your, your possessions, as Soup Shalela extends outwards, we see then as there's a <laughs> as the skeleton, the mummy that Jack was working on, sits upright. As you see <laughs> As all of the bodies sit upwards, as you see not like Yenden, but zombies in the sort but with black eyes, with black tendrils that extend from them, that soup would recognize as being feral. Alright, they've gone to shit! Time for murder! Time for murder! <laughs> and as all of you begin to sort of collect yourselves a little bit, that is where we are going to leave this episode of Electrical. Alright. Oh boy, zombie fight. I need a weapon. You have been listening to Electrovol, as featured on Dice Carnival. We appreciate your support in listening to this podcast and leaving us a good rating. Please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter. Music is used with permission by This Way to the Egress. You can find links to them, some of our sponsors, and other collaborators in the description below. And lastly, remember to bury your ghosts lest they come back to haunt you. Farewell. <laughs>